What's good, everybody? Let's talk about reverb, reverberation, the sound of being in a room, and the different types of reverb that have existed throughout the ages. Some of the things that I'm really playing with on my records um, and on my mixes are combining different types of reverberation from the you know 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, modern era into a, a new mix. And so to start, what even is reverb? Reverb is all of the tiny delays that happen when a sound source slaps up against a surface. So for example, I record all of my music in my bedroom. My bedroom is kind of like one half of an A-frame. Uh, the ceilings are rather high because I'm on the, the top um, floor of this little condo complex, not like a penthouse or anything. It's a... Uh, probably 700 square foot uh, condo, um, but it, it has pretty high ceilings, which makes it good for recording um, because there's more volume, um, not volume in terms of loudness, volume in terms of space depth that the sound pressure is able to propagate within. And that ends up changing the way that um, these, these slapbacks occur. When you have really, really tiny rooms and when you have parallel surfaces, these slapbacks, they aggregate. So you have two flat walls and they're slapping back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It creates this thing called a flutter echo. I'm going to try and attempt a flutter echo here so you can hear kind of what that sound is. This is not exactly it, but it's a, it's a facsimile of it based on the computer. I'm testing a flutter echo. So that's an echo that we actually try and avoid. Um, as much as possible. Sometimes you use it for effect, but it ends up creating really harsh resonances in the frequencies. So what resonances are is, again, it's aggregating. It's building up. It's creating these really intense peaks. And sometimes they'll sound fine on a professional recording system, uh, but then the second you throw it on the car speaker or on a pair of really bad, um, like say, like not AirPods, the AirBuds, are they even earbuds, um, like that kind of stuff? They then they really poke into your brain. They sound like they're they're stabbing you. Those little resonant um, frequencies uh, really really hurt, and so you want to avoid them in terms of the rooms that you're recording in, and also the virtual rooms that you're placing audio into. So that was a that was a virtual version of it, um, not nearly as harsh as it is in real life. Um, but most of this stuff, what we're doing is we're trying to record as dry as possible. Obviously, I'm, I'm still in a room, so there's still going to be a little bit of that sound. And then in the computer, we end up adding back some of that reverberation. This is something that got really popular in the 70s, where the dry sound, the, the sound of the recording studio, really, really came into um, fashion. And so, like, if you listen to, like, Fleetwood Mac, Tom sounds, the doom, doom sounds on the drum kit. It isn't like a 80s reverby um, stadium sound. You know, like it's not those big, big stadium sounds, the massive room sounds. It's it's almost like they're in a, um, at a like, what's the, what's the word? Um, anechoic chamber. I remember that off the dome. I didn't even have to pause and, and Google it. Um, those, those are rooms that have no reflections. 
And it's, I think, an MIT scientist invented it, where it's basically you create all of these little surfaces. So there's nothing for sound to slap against each other because all of these weird little geometric surfaces, they, they look pretty bizarre. I, I would recommend you Google image search um, in a coic chamber. And um, it, it almost messes with your head when you're in there because there's no, there's a vacancy of room. We can kind of create some of that in the computer. But then the goal is not to leave it completely dry most of the time. It's to create dimensionality uh, in the in the box. And so there are a bunch of different ways that we can do that. So I showed you Flutter Echo. Um, this room, I'm just going to step back from the microphone and, and kind of talk loudly and you'll be able to hear the room. So this is my room. kind of sounds like this. Do you hear how all of this is going? That's, that's my room's reverb. Um, and then as I get closer to the mic, that sound goes away a little bit. Um, when I want to do the stuff in the box, that's where I get to make some of these really cool creative decisions. And the best part about doing it in the box is then you can change your mind later or you can stack things on top of each other. So say, for example, I want the background vocals to be very present. So they all have almost no reverb or maybe just a slight room around them. Or maybe I step away from the mic and I sing my background vocals out here. I do that almost all the time now, um, my, my recent stuff, just to create a little bit of depth without having to add artificial reverb into it. I don't know. That's um, what I like. Um, so that's, that's one way. Um, and, but then if you layer things, so see I have a snare drum going into one type of reverb and a vocal going into another type of reverb and then a guitar going into a different type of reverb. All of that comes together in a really interesting, pleasing, and almost otherworldly kind of way. So let's talk about these different types. So my favorite actually to use is a type of reverb. It's the oldest of the old school reverbs called chamber. And so what they did for chamber reverbs is they literally had just had a room. So Capital Chambers is a um, audio plugin by Universal Audio. And it's also an actual physical place that they modeled. And what they do is they, you record your microphone in a booth. So pretty much acoustically treated, even deader that's the term for less reverb, less reverberant sound, deader than the room that I'm in right now. And then you pipe it from the board, from your recording console, into a speaker. So you take the microphone, you spit it out to a speaker, and then in that room, there are more microphones. So you have the um, cumulative effect of transforming your voice into the microphone. And all of the things that go into that. So, microphone has its diaphragm. It has its you know it has its um, cables and things like that coming off of it as the transformers and all of the things in the preamplifier and in the compressors. There's all these different little tiny saturations and, and frequency frequency modulations from what my voice actually sounds like through the whole chain. And then it runs into an analog console. Obviously, I'm not doing that right now because I don't have a million dollars, but that's what they used to do because they had a million dollars and they would put that into the console and then send that back out to a speaker, which again, modulates the frequency, adds a little bit of saturation, maybe some compression just by nature of it being a speaker. And that spits it out into a very reverberant, reverberant room, a room that's designed to sound very live, not very dead, very live, the opposite of dead. <laughs> and that goes into another microphone, runs back into the board. And of course, all of this gets summed together on the board's compressor, compressors, the board's EQs, sometimes outboard compressors and EQs and other effects, and then it hits tape and then it hits vinyl. So think about all of the different stages of frequency modulations and compression and saturation that you have throughout there. And that's, that, those are one of the things that I like to think about in my mixing 
is like look at the source audio, the dead source audio, and then where it ended up. And if you're just doing digital and you slap one compressor on it or one saturator on it, that is so different than the way that records used to be recorded. The chambers help to fix some of that because these plugins have a lot of those things built in because they were trying to get the chamber sound. So they actually add a little bit of saturation on the front end, a little bit of saturation on the back end, all these little things. Um, so it gives you some of that secret sauce because it's aggregated effects, effects on effects, on effects. So here's, here's a chamber sound. I'm just going to, you know, do some stuff into it and you can hear that. So that's kind of the classic chamber. Um, I, I, I like that one. That's the Capitol Chambers. My favorite one is Motown Records, Hitsville Recording Studios in Detroit. That studio just got modeled by Universal Audio as well. And while it basically nukes my system, I can't run anything else on it. When, I mean, obviously, I, I probably should upgrade my system a little bit, but I'll get there. You know, got to make money to... To, to invest. And uh, it's a very, it's a very resource intensive plugin is a better way to say it um, because it is doing so many different calculations. It's changing, it's modulating that input signal so much to the output. I love it because it doesn't sound like a perfect recording studio. The Capital One sounds like Frank Sinatra or something. This one sounds like you're sticking a speaker up in your attic. It almost sounds like the A-frame room because I think it was an A-frame that original um, um, studio in Detroit, um, Itsville. I th I'm pretty sure it was an A-frame, and they're they're doing the same thing. They've got microphones, they got speakers, and I'm running my dry-ish signal into that, and I do that on almost everything I do now. It's it's crazy. Um, it's it's part of my sound. So if you want to capture some of my sound, this is one of the plugins. Let me demonstrate it a little bit. This is the Hitsville version of a chamber, so less perfect recording studio chamber. I'm testing my favorite reverb. It's so dope and weird. Hopefully, you like me. All sorts of really cool things you can do with that. Um, then there, there's like different microphones and speakers and distances and pre delays, all these, you know, little tweaks that you can make to the Hitsville and to the Capitol, but the Hitsville is even more particular. Um, including mono versus stereo, which is a super, super fun to play thing to play with. I think that people kind of sleep on it because they think mono is old, like mono is pet sounds and, and Sergeant Peppers and, you know, that kind of stuff. But the, there's like an emotional response to mono reverb. It, um, it feels just different. And I, I recommend exploring it because if you have something that feels old and nostalgic and imperfect in the midst of a very modern um, stereo and maybe even binaural mix, it's a really cool blend. It, um, I feel like it ends up evoking something more. So, okay, going from um, Chambers, which like, you know, think like Beach Boys or Frank Sinatra, um, to Hitsville, so think Motown. Now think Pet Sounds kind of Beach Boys. I know we were talking mono, but they use a lot of plate reverbs. And plate reverbs are super, like, I, I got to see some of these things in, in real life and use some of them. Um, picture like giant ride cymbals kind of stacked on top of each other. Um, the sound gets spit into these big old plates 
And then you actually manually change how close the plates are together and kind of how they're um, interacting. I don't completely know how it works because I've never used these big old, they're super expensive and they break all the time, um, which is why I use the um, virtual versions that cost me $100 instead of the real versions that cost, I don't know, $10,000 and probably more. Um, but they sound really cool. They're very bizarre. Um, it's, it's like yelling into a metal hall or something like that. Um, but the, but at the same time, you've heard it on so many records that it doesn't sound foreign. It's this is kind of the sound of um, like sixties and seventies music. They use this stuff a lot. So here's the classic. It's the EMT one forty. Um, there are a bunch of different plate settings, things like that. I'm just going to show you one of them. The B setting. It's a little bit um, in the middle. The A setting is a little brighter. The C setting is a little darker. The B setting is just in the middle. I'll just give you a, a quick run through of what you know, plate reverb kind of sounds like. The EMT 140. <laughs> plate reverb. Plate reverb. Now let's get into some digital reverb. So digital reverb is looking at kind of the sound in terms of delays. And it's algorithmic, so it's it's all running through the computer. It's not really even trying to be necessarily realistic. And on that on this that note, maybe I'll do a non-linear reverb. So you're used to reverb decaying in a linear sort of fashion. You put out a bit of audio and it propagates through the medium of air and it slaps into things and it returns to you a little bit quieter. And it decays in a in a normal, predictable way. Here is non-linear digital reverb. So you can hear kind of how the algorithms now are playing with the evolutionary sense of um, putting a sound out into a room and turning it on its head. Let's get nonlinear. Nonlinear. Finally, let's talk about spring reverb. So spring reverb, um, I don't actually completely know how it works. Um, but it's in a bunch of guitar amps. And if you've ever hit a guitar amp with a spring reverb in it, and it goes, <laughs> it's because there's actually a spring inside of the amp. Um, and you're, you're, you're thwacking the string, uh, the, the spring, and it's, it's slapping against its enclosure. Um, so the, the audio is being, you know, spit into there. And it's kind of like a mini plate reverb is my ba basic understanding of it. Um, but it has a very unique kind of quality. It sounds like surf guitar to me. Um, I love it. And I actually haven't found a very, very good digital replace, replacement for it because I don't want to plug in my whole amp rig and do all of these things. I'm just going to use the best thing that I've found for it. Um, but it, it gives you the sense of it. Uh, on a bunch of my records now, I pretty much everything from Koan, I've been running into this Morgan RCA 35R that... Um, uses a spring reverb that's the r in the 35 <laughs> in the spring reverb channel and then i run that into a load box but it's it's like you know it gives it that vintage surf rock kind of sound which i i really love because i mean surf rock is what i started on playing guitar it's the reason why i did a cover of walk don't run to open uh, moonlight beach and also um i don't know like pixie the pixies are one of my favorite bands and they um they had heavy surf rock bad francis has heavy surf rock influence um, so it's it's just like a through line, I think, for alternative music, loving surf rock guitar. And the spring reverb sound is just crucial to that vibe. Spring reverb sounds like surfing. <laughs> sounds like surfing. 
And as I send you guys out, I want to talk just an honorable mention to IR reverb. So impulse response reverb. This is also, this is kind of the development that allows us to do a lot of these cool things. Impulse responses stack on top of each other. So an impulse response is, is a very simple idea. You have a clean impulse and then a dirty output. And you measure the delta, the change in between the input and the output. So if I go into the Taj Mahal, I can play a sine wave and then measure how that sine wave changes in the reverberant area of the palace of the Taj Mahal. Or if I went into the Vatican, I could shoot off a starting gun, which would definitely scare people. And that starting gun, <laughs> the input is known because it's just a bang. And then the way that it decays and the way that it changes on the output is what would give you the impulse response for the Vatican. Um, and like the, the, the sound of that. I'm not saying do a starting gun in the Vatican. Obviously that wouldn't hurt anybody, but still would scare them. Um, but I'm just saying they actually might've, because that's how a lot of these impulse responses are, are done. And I'm pretty sure the Vatican is one of them. Um, but the impulse response thing can be applied to anything. So, you know, how I was talking about the, uh, stacking effect of capital chambers and the thing into the thing, into the thing, into the thing, and it all adds up. Um, you can do that for outboard gear. And that's one of the changes that we've had in digital recording um, with analog sounding digital is that we got better at measuring the changes from something going into a console and coming out. So when I talked to Phil, um, so definitely check out that, that pod. That was one of my favorites. Um, Phil was talking about how sometimes he'll just slap a plug-in on and not even really do anything. Just leave it unbypassed, but just just on the, the channel strip just to give it a little life. That's what's going on is it's actually fake running through the transformers in the same way that you could just leave a console at Unity and run something in and out of it. It's going to have a different vibe. It's going to have more mojo because it's running through physical things that are going to modulate the sound. And so that's what the impulse response idea is. And it can be applied to reverb in a very, very convincing way. I use that sometimes less, less, uh, less often though, but it's, it's highly used for, um, like video games or for movie scores to really put you into those places all from the comfort of the composer's bedroom. Hopefully, you know, they're, they're bigger than I am and they have more than their bedroom to work on. But a lot of times, even, uh, composers from big TV shows, they're in the same situation as I am staring at my bed and my pillows, but surrounded by gear. So Thank you to my wife for letting me <laughs> take over our bedroom. Um, anyway, that, that's reverb. Um, next time you're in an interesting space, try and listen for it. You know, you're in an elevator, listen to the change that happens when you're having a conversation, walking into an elevator, and then when the doors close. Be present of that. Like, be present in that. Be aware of it. See what happens if you're by like a big canyon and now you're yodeling or somebody's yelling into the canyon the way that it's slapping back at you. Or the way that it changes when you go from a big room into a hallway. All of those things are tools for the music producer. And whether or not you produce music, that doesn't matter. It's just an interesting thing to, to pay attention to. And I also advocate for listening to music in headphones because that's the easiest way to get swallowed up by the environment, by the room. Because any other time, you're playing in speakers in another room, in another space, even if it's outside. And it's harder to capture the exact intent of what the producer was going for, unless you're wearing headphones and you're just isolated from the rest of the world and you are swallowed up into the world of music. 
If you enjoy this podcast, I recommend liking and subscribing and checking out the old episodes. There's some really, really cool stuff in there and awesome guests coming up next week. I'm going to be chatting with one of the coolest songwriters in the world um, in a couple of weeks, talking with a Grammy Award winner and a Tony nominated guy. I mean, some cool, cool people. I'm not, I'm going to bury the lead though. I'm not even going to say their names yet. You got to, you got to subscribe. You got to find out who they're going to be. Um, hope you enjoyed this little exploration exploration through reverb it's kind of a hard thing to say um if you'd like my like to hear my music and my reverbs you can check my stuff out at scubertdubert.pizza scubertdubert.pizza and of course subscribe to this so you can you can find out who those next guests are they're gonna be really fun thanks a lot guys take it easy